0: Welcome to the Central Christian Church Podcast. We pray this message helps you find and follow Jesus. If you would like to connect with us more, please visit us at centralsj.org. Well, hey, today we're kicking off a new series, As You Wish. And if you're with us at Easter, then uh, you remember taking a spiritual survey where we asked you, hey, what are some things that you would like to hear teaching on from the Bible? And we're planning to put together a, a series this fall that. It was basically based on your request. So as you wish, here it is. And uh, the top thing that you asked about, the number one thing that you said, hey, I, I know this is in the Bible, but I just, I just wish I could know a little bit more about it. And, and there's a lot of things. We're going to frame up these next few weeks around it and go in sequential order of the, the ranking that you, you asked for it. And so as you wish, here it is. The number one thing that you asked for is tell me more about this thing called spiritual warfare. Like, what is that? And uh, honestly, I was a little surprised by that. I thought you might like, hey, how do I have a good marriage? How do I raise kids in the Bay? Like, what, what? Spiritual warfare is so good on you. That says a whole lot about you. Uh, but of uh, over 200 people that took the survey, 39.2% of you said this is the number one thing uh, that I want to hear about. And so, so that's what we're going to be tackling. So if you brought a friend and you're like, spiritual warfare, awesome. Uh, well, you asked for it. So as you wish, this is it. And when it comes to spiritual warfare, you know, the Bible talks a whole lot about it. Uh, and so we're not going to be able to cover the whole scope of this. Really, each one of these topics that you asked for could be a series in and of itself. So I'm going to talk fast and give you a whole lot of content and try to give you some framework for spiritual warfare. But When it comes to spiritual warfare, I think it's important for you to first know uh, that whenever you read, read the Bible and it talks about, about heaven, uh, it's actually referring to one of three places. Uh, one, it could be referring to like the sun, the moon, the stars, the heavens. Uh, two, it could be referring to the spiritual realm where a very real battle is taking place right here, right now. And I believe it's right here among us. We just don't see it. And we're going to talk more about that. But then, then the third heaven is where, where God is, where God's presence is fully known, where saints who have died in the Lord now reside, in, uh, free from pain, free from anger, free from anguish uh, in, in heaven. And so, so whenever you read the Bible, you come across this word heaven, you need to discern what, what heaven is. Is it talking about? And so we're going to focus our attention primarily on that second heaven where the spiritual warfare is taking place today. And so if you have uh, your notes, you might want to grab those. We're going to kick off by looking at what I think is a passage that best describes spiritual warfare. It's found in Ephesians uh, chapter 6. And we're going to look at verses 10 through 17. So as we begin, if you would, would you stand to your feet? Let's honor, honor God's word. I believe God's about to speak to us as we open his word. And uh, we could use a little stretching. And if you haven't worked out yet, this counts for your squats. So, so you're good. That's why we stand up, sit down. All right, here it is. Ephesians 6. begins with this. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And here's a warfare term. Put on the full armor of God because you're going to the battle so that you can take your stand against the devil's scheme. And there he identifies who your enemy is. He says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not your spouse. It's not your boss. It's not that political party. It's not the person that lives across the street from you. Uh, our our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities. There's, there's, there's structure to, to this. And against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the, in the heavenly realms. And he's talking about that that second one we mentioned. Therefore, in light of that, put on the full armor of God. For when the day of evil comes. And notice it doesn't say if the day of evil comes, but when it comes. Like, like, it's not just for pastors, it's not just for missionaries. Like, there's a day of evil coming for you. And, and God wants you to be equipped for when the day of evil comes. You say, well, Tim, could you be a little bit more positive? I'm positive the day of evil's coming. So be, be ready for it. And then you'll be able to take your stand and stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then. And now he uses this, this metaphor, this allegory. Paul is in a Roman prison cell. And he's looking at this Roman guard. And he's, he's saying, man, just as, as a Roman soldier's fitted for battle, you too, Christian, need to be fitted for battle. And he says this, so, so stand firm then. You put on the belt of truth around your waist. You put on the breastplate of righteousness and plates, And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. All defensive, last one's offensive. We're gonna talk more about that in a moment. So Father, we just thank you that you haven't left us as orphans, but you equip us for battle. And you, Heavenly Father, you you wanna train our hands for battle, to be ready for when the day of evil comes. So I pray, oh God, that your church would be ready for that, that that you would give us understanding of what the spiritual warfare topic is. But, God, you give us practical handles today of how we can engage in this battle every day so we are no longer beat up by the enemy. In Jesus' name, everyone said Amen. amen. Hey, why don't you give a couple people a high five, then you can have a seat. All right. Spiritual warfare. So as you wish. So so here's another passage that kind of ramps it up a little bit more. Uh, Paul's going to talk to us in in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, or chapter 10, rather, about this this idea of a stronghold. Uh, Jesus, whenever he was teaching on spiritual warfare, he used the term strong man. You can read about that, excuse me, in Luke uh, chapter 11. But here's what, what Paul says, and other New Testament writers use this term stronghold. 2 Corinthians uh, 10, verses 3 through 5 says this, as though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. And so we're not, our, our defense is not nukes and armor and, and all that stuff, but, but the weapons we fight with. In other words, there's a battle, and he says the weapons that we fight with, and I just pause for a minute and just ask, are you? Are you fighting with them? The Bible assumes that you are. The, the, the Bible's written to the church. And he's assuming that the church is, is fighting with the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. Help me with this word to demolish strongholds. strongholds. And that's the word that, that we're going to focus on. We we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ strongholds it's a military term it literally means uh, the, the inner fortress of like a castle a citadel and so if you had you taken someone captive they're your prisoner you put them where where the enemy couldn't re- retrieve them very easily and the enemy the devil desires to set up strongholds in your life and a stronghold is a lie that you believe to be true it's just a it's just a lie. But the enemy's fed you a lie. When you believe it as truth, he establishes a stronghold in your, in your life. You say, well, I, like what? Like, what would he like?" He would say, like, hey, you can't trust people. Hey, you know what? God hears, hears from her, but he doesn't really listen to you. Yeah, yeah, they hear from God, but there's a reason you don't, and that's because God's not really big on you. you after you know what you've done. You know what? Hey, if people knew who you really were, that you wouldn't have any. You would no one would want to be hanging around you. You'll never have a successful marriage. That that thing that trips you up over and over—it's always going to be a part of your life. It's just who you are. And when we believe a lie, we empower the liar. If you're taking notes, you need to write that down. If when you believe the lie, you're empowering the liar and here's what a stronghold is a stronghold is a prisoner locked by deception living life by something that is not true i mean you think it's true it's like it becomes such a part of you you just like it's just who i am but it's a lie and when you believe the lie you empower the liar and now you got a stronghold in your life uh back in the day uh We went to Thailand. I was playing basketball, and we went to play internationally, and and we're in Thailand. In Thailand, it's just different. Like, zoos are different. Like, if you ever go to a different country, go check out their zoo because it's different. Like, I'm sure in Kenya, if you have, like, it's just different, you know? And so we got this picture here I want to show you real quick, these elephants. So this is me at a zoo. You can sit on elephants, like, and they train them. You can do different stuff with these elephants. But with these elephants, you see these huge beasts, these huge elephants, and they're, they're shackled by a rope, and like 10,000 pounds, huge beast. And I'm like, I don't feel very safe right now. And they're like, well, hey, you don't have to worry about that elephant, because here's what we've done. When that elephant was just a baby, we put this big chain around his back leg. And so when that elephant would try to move, he couldn't, he wasn't powerful enough he, he was shackled. He, 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 was, he was held captive. But now that that baby elephant's grown up, all the thing we have to do is put something around his back leg, like a little rope. And though he's not chained, he's 10,000 pounds, he's a beast of nature, he could break it no problem, but he's got a stronghold. He's believed a lie, and he's held captive by the liar. And while, while he could snap it, he doesn't. And I just wonder for some of you, maybe you were told something at a young age. Maybe you experienced something that that you don't even like to go there at a young age. But now it's created a stronghold because you believed it to be true. And now it shapes your world. It shapes your route. And you say, I could never do. I'll never be. That will always be. When you believe the lie, you empower the liar. and, And the elephant could snap it like that. And you just need to know your freedom so close. But you have to identify the stronghold. You're held captive, and it's just just a lie. Another definition of stronghold from a book uh, by Craig Rochelle um, called Winning the War in Your Mind, great book. He says this, a stronghold, anything that exalts itself in our minds, here's the key word, pretending to be bigger or more powerful than God. And can I just ask, is there anything in your life that that you might not say this, but whenever it boils down, like I don't think God can even free me from that. I think this is just this is just who I am. Listen, that's a it's a strong, it's pretending. It's just a little rope. And you're a beast for the kingdom. And the enemy would love to keep you bound. But, but you gotta identify the lie and replace the lie with truth. I won't take a whole lot of time with this, but there's a girl, if you're older, um, if you were alive in 2002, you might remember the name Elizabeth Smart. And Elizabeth Smart was this girl who was abducted from her home at night. The bad guy came in at knife point, abducted her, 14 years old, out of her home. Her sister uh, was pretending to be asleep, saw the whole thing, didn't make a move, didn't say anything because she was afraid that that her her sister would die. And so this dude abducted her, and this woman, Wanda, took her out to the woods of Utah, did all kinds of horrific things to her. And this went on for nine months. There's a documentary out, you can watch it. For nine months, they, they just, it was terrible. But then they started to get a little bit brazen. They thought, well, maybe we got by with this. And they started taking this girl who was on posters everywhere, was on the news every night. They took her into public and they dress her in this, this, this dress and wear a bonnet and, and Elizabeth retells the story, and she, she remembers a time when a police officer was five feet away from her. She's held captive, experiencing all kinds of horrific two steps this direction, freedom. But she believed a lie. And this guy told her, hey, if you say anything, you make a sound, I'll kill you on the spot. And eventually, this police officer, you know, couldn't see who she was, but police officer said, ah, it doesn't seem right, and approached this guy and ultimately Elizabeth Smart got free and, and thank God for law enforcement, right? Like they do a good job. And, and so we're grateful for that. But, but now Elizabeth, she's, she's happily married, has kids, use, uses her story to help other people that experience the same kind of trauma. But I tell you that to tell you this. Some of you are just a few feet away, but you believed a lie. And no one else knows about it. You cover it up real good. But on the inside, you know there's freedom for you. And God wants it for you so badly, and you're just a couple steps away. But we've got to identify the lie and replace the lie with truth. John eight forty four says this, when he lies, speaking of the devil, when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Like, he created lies. Like, he, he's the originator of it. And when we believe the lie, we empower the liar and spiritual warfare is exposing the lie and replacing the lie with truth. Real quick. Uh, how do you identify the strongholds? What are some symptoms of a stronghold? Uh, number one, strongholds steal your focus. They, they begin to be all that consumes you. They, they cause you to feel controlled. Like, I don't want to do this, but I have to, because it's just who I am. They've you to feel controlled. They consume your emotional energy, distract you from your purpose and ultimately, rob us of the life God intended for us to have. Strongholds. And I'm a list person. If you were to ask me to list out all the, my favorite things in life, on that list would be to create some lists. And I just think in lists. I text people in lists, like bullet points. I, if I email you and it's a long email, I'm going I'm to make a list to kind of organize. I just think in lists. So I'm going to give you some lists today. I'm going to give you three lists that have three things. Uh, the first list is going to be three realities you need to believe whenever it comes to spiritual warfare if you're going to be successful. Third list or second list is going to be three weapons you can use. They're at your disposal if you're a believer in Jesus. These weapons are yours today, and three things to do every day to get super practical so you can be successful when it comes to spiritual warfare. Okay, so you guys ready for some lists? Okay, here we go. Uh, first list: three realities you need to believe. Uh, number one, you just need to believe that the devil's real. You, need to believe, you just need to believe that. And you're like, why would you start with that one, bro? Well, according to Barner Research, only 56% of Christians believe that Satan is real, spiritual being, and influences people in daily day life. So if we're just to divide the room on this side, about half of you would say, I'm not sure the devil's real, and he would love you to believe that. And you might say, well, I'm not even sure that spiritual, I don't think the devil is real. Listen, it doesn't, it doesn't change the fact that he's coming for you. It doesn't change that just because you don't believe it doesn't make him go away. And so let's just get some help around this. Second Corinthians eleven fourteen 14 says, says no wonder for Satan himself. Here's what he does. He masquerades. He puts on these faces. He masquerades. He pretends to be an angel of light. And he's pretty good at it because he used to be an angel of light. And so when the devil shows up in your life, he's not going to show up with a red tight jumpsuit and a pitchfork. He's going to show up, but it's going to look really good. And you think, man, if I do that, that would satisfy. If I do that, would feel that just that just seems right to me. And, and you do it. And here's the challenge: sometimes it is good for a moment, but you need to know his end is to destroy your life. And it might feel good in the moment, but the end is is destruction. Satan, somewhere around Genesis chapter one one, or some scholars say between Genesis one one and Genesis one two, there was this great battle in heaven where where the devil satan rebels against god lots of angels mentioned in the bible thousands of angels uh, jesus talks about how how children their, their angels see the face of god every day so like there's there's billions countless numbers of angels but there's only three angels named in the bible uh, one would be gabriel and every time you see gabriel he's always delivering a message Two, Michael. Every time you see Michael, it's involved with warfare or or spiritual battles. And and the third is Lucifer. And Lucifer was in charge of of the worship of heaven. You can read about it in Isaiah 14, Isaiah 28. But Lucifer, the lead worship guy in heaven, was like, I I want some glory for myself. I've been worshiping God all this time, and, and I think I'd like some of that. So he leads this rebellion and takes... Some angels with him, and that makes up the devil and these fallen angels, now demons. You Read about it in Revelation 12, 7 through 9. It says this. It says, and there was a great war in heaven. And here it is. Michael, this, this angel is always connected with battle. And there's a hierarchy here. So Michael and his angels, so he has some authority structure, fought against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. So Lucifer has some authority structure in his, his, his demon forces as well. It says, but he was not strong enough. And I just like that. I just need to know that. That it wasn't this battle against God and Satan. No, this head angel, Michael, fought against Lucifer. But the devil wasn't strong enough. And they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down. The ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to where? To the earth. (laughs) And his angels with him. So out of the presence of God, out of uh, th- th- where, where heaven is, where, our, where my grandma is, where, where people we love in the Lord now are, where there is no more pain or suffering, and they're hurled to the earth so now this, this spiritual force in the heavenly realms that's taking place among us right here, right now. You just need to know, number one, that the de- he's, he's, I'm just, he's real, y'all, like he's real. You need to settle that in your mind. If you're going to otherwise, you're going to get beat up like a pinata at every turn. Here, here, second thing, the devil's goal is to destroy us. John 10:10 10, 10 says, "The thief comes. Here it is. Here's his goal: to steal, kill and destroy. God has a purpose and a plan for your life. Same verse, John 10:10. 10, 10, Jesus said, "I've come that you may have life, life to the full, that the devil comes to steal, kill and destroy. but I've come that you might have life and life brimming over with life." And you can choose to follow God and submit to his plan and experience the abundant life he has for you, or you're going to experience theft. You're going to experience death. You're going to experience destruction in your life. And here's the reality that's true for every human being that lives right now, every human being in the history of humanity. You get to choose. And I just, I just hope you choose wisely. Here's some good news. Uh, the devil responds to higher authority. The third point here. The devil responds to higher authority. First John uh, is teaching about spiritual warfare, and he reminds us in the midst of the battle, you have victory because, because the devil's knee is going to bow to Jesus too. John 4 says this, but you belong to, your fo- to God, uh, my dear children, and you have already won the victory. Here's the good news. You're not fighting for victory. You're fighting from victory. You got victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is he's, hes just greater than the spirit who lives in this world. So there's three things you got to believe if you're going to engage in this thing called spiritual warfare. Second, if you're a follower of Jesus, I want to give you three weapons that you currently have, and I hope you use them. Three weapons that are at your disposal. Number one, the name of Jesus. The name, there's power in the name of Jesus of Jesus. ABC News reported this this lady who was, she's 20 years old, she's working at a a Metro PC cell phone uh, booth. And this guy comes in with a nine millimeter and says, hey, empty the register. And she said in that moment, she felt like the Holy Spirit just came over and she just started speaking the name of Jesus. And I don't know if it was because God moved on on her behalf, I believe that, or the dude just freaked out, but he dropped his gun and ran out of the store. Why? Because there's power in the name of Jesus. You just speak the name, right? There's power in the name. Luke 10, 17 says this. So Jesus has 12 disciples. He, he said, oh, that's awesome. They went out. They did amazing things, miracles in his name. Now, all right, we've got to expand the circle. There's more ministry to be done. Now he sends out 72. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, the demons submit to us. How? In your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Like, like he, he remembers when Satan fell the first time and he says, hey, as you go out and minister, I see him. He's falling again, just like lightning. And Here's what you need to know about, about, about God and the battle with, with Satan. Some of you, like your eyes are like, what's happening right now? Here's the good news. He's bigger. He's bigger. Like you're on the winning side. It's not like it's not like Star Wars where it's like, oh the good side, oh no, that's the bad side, oh that's bad, oh it's over here. No, it's oh, now it's trending in this direction. It's not like that. If like if it was a Star Wars, it'd be like da-da, 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 da-da. like the intro, that's terrible, I just botched that really bad. But imagine the opening credits like in a galaxy far away, da da da. And here's the battle. Boom! Roll the credits, George Lucas, right? Like it's over. Like, not much of a movie. Why? Because God's bigger, and he saw Satan fall like lightning. And here's what he says. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions. Talking about spiritual beings, talking about demons there, not like real snakes, real scorpions. And to overcome all the power of the enemy, nothing will harm you. Philippians 2.10, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow you're like, oh, I don't believe in Jesus. Well, you're still included in this. Now, I don't believe I, you're, you're in this. That every knee, the name of every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Have you ever been pulled over before? Yeah. That's kind of a weird transition, but it's not a good feeling. <laughs> Have you ever had someone pull up to you in a Honda Accord wearing a tank top and flip flops like, hey, pull over. You're speeding. This is a citizen's arrest. You'd be like, dude, buzz off. I got stuff to do. But when you're driving down the 101 and you start seeing those cherries swirling behind you, your, your gut drops, your heart starts pumping. You're like, oh, my gosh, I'm busted. Right. And then that state trooper steps out of that vehicle in that crispy press suit. He comes up to the door and says, you know what you've done? You start bawling like a baby. Why? Because he's got authority. He's got authority. He's been deputized by the state of California to leverage that authority. And here's what I'm just telling you, Christian, you got authority. Not because of who you are, but because of who he is. And in the name of Jesus is your authority. That, that's what we, we leverage. When we go into spiritual battle, our banner is, is Jesus. We fly under that banner. And as you do, you have authority. Second weapon, you have is the blood of Jesus. Revelation 12, 11 says they overcame him. How'd they overcome the devil? By the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. When the enemy comes to beat you up, to tell you you're not good enough, you didn't measure up, nah, I'm only right with God because of his sacrifice. I remember what he's done. It's not about what I've done. It's always been about what he's done. And that's my testimony. I, I didn't earn right standing. He's granted me right standing. He's adopted me as his son. He's adopted me as his daughter, the blood of Jesus, the, the, the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, and third, the word of Jesus. And every time the devil came to tempt Jesus, what did he do? He said, it's been written. I, I, I hear what you're saying. It sounds real good, but let me tell you what the truth is in the situation. And that's why I, I'm always encouraged. Get in the word. Like, I'm so grateful you're here today. But the, the enemy's come. Be in the word tomorrow. It, it, so the lies come, you can say, no, that, that sounds good. I think that would feel good. That probably seems good. Everywhere else is going that direction, but, but it says this. And so I'm going to go with this word. John eight thirty one says this. Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, like you cling to it, you're really my disciples. Then you'll know the truth, and what will the truth do? The truth will set you free. Remember, it's the sword of the spirit. It's not an obligation. It's a weapon. Like, here's the deal. You don't have to, you don't have to read your Bible tomorrow. It's a choice. Like, I'm not looking over your shoulder. You're not going to miss stars. Like, you know, there's not a credit system. But I want you to be strong and ready for battle. And so I hope you get in the word tomorrow, first thing. I hope, I hope you fill your mind with, with truth John 17, 17 says, Jesus is praying for you. He says, sanctify them, set them apart by the truth. And what is truth? And that's a great debate in our culture today. What is truth? Is there any absolute truth? Jesus says, your word, that is the truth. So three realities, we need to believe, three weapons we got to fight with, their weapons, the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the word of Jesus. Now, Now, I want to give you three things to do every day. And my hope is that you do this every day. And I close with... With these three things. Number one, I need to commit myself to God. Every day I need to commit myself to to God. Here's what you need to know. Your authority with the devil is only as strong as your relationship to Jesus. Your authority, I'm going to say that either, your authority when it comes to spiritual warfare is only as strong as your relationship to Jesus. It's kind of like this, help us grasp this. Um, You guys know what this is, right? Oh, I just broke it. Oh, wow. Analogy failed. <laughs> um, so this is an umbrella, right? And, uh, and I, I'm a dad. I got three kids. And as long as my kids adhere to the standards I've set in place as the family, they have my covering. They get my protection. They enjoy my provision. They get my guidance. Someone comes against them. They're coming against me. I, I, I give them covering. Now, like some of you, I had good parents. They provided covering. But, but I decided uh, I like the benefits of the covering, but I want to go do that. And I stepped outside the covering. And I suffered needless harm. Because all, all the time, my parents were offering covering. I just didn't want to adhere to their standards. And I just want you to know that your loving Heavenly Father desires to provide you this. I want you to be under his covering. And under his covering, there's peace. You can be in the middle of a storm. Not a drop of rain is going to hit you. Why? Because he's, he's got your back. He's going to protect you. He's going to provide for you. He's going to speak to you. But you've got you to submit to him every day. You've got you to stay close to him. And Can I just tell you like I'm thinking it? Some of you are saying, I want to go to heaven, but I also, I kind of just want to do that. And then you wonder, why is there no peace? I thought it was an abundant life. Where's the provision? And Jesus' invitation to you today, whether you're far from God or you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, the invitation, the same remedy is true for everyone. Just get back under his covering. Come back to God. Give him control. Say, you're you're my number one priority. And I might adhere to the house rules. What your word says, I'm going to do it. Where you speak, I'm going to speak. Where you're silent, I'm going to shut my mouth. Because I'm going to come under under your covering. I'm under your authority. And I think there's a couple ways that we experience this. I, I, I think... One is obedience, you know. We talk about this often. We talk about baptism, being your best next step. For some of you, you're, you're following Jesus like you're going to heaven. We're just like, water baptism, I don't know. Getting wet in front of a church, tri- I don't know. Hey, September 17th, your best next step. You fill out the card, you jump in the waters of baptism, and it's one way for you to take a step back under the covering. The local church, the Bible was written by leaders in the local church, written to local churches. Like the local, I didn't create this, like this wasn't my idea, I'm not that smart. But like like God's idea is the local church and part of the local church is covering. Like, like you join a group, here's the group leaders are gonna pray for you by name every single day, it's gonna give you some covering. Whenever you become a member of a church, there's covering, be committed to a family. Some people are like, well, I like, I like that church because of the worship. I like that church because they got young adults. This church, wow, they got single ministry over there. I'm going to check that out. And we kind of pick and choose. It's a smorgasbord. And I think God's invitation is be a part of a family. Be committed. And when you're committed, you're going to get some covering. And so if there's a lot of great churches here in the Bay too, by the way. But if you want to commit to this one, like we're, we're having Thrive membership class, September 24th. Your best next step, get under some covering. Give her some authority structure. You say, well, I don't want any authority. Okay, that's, that's your choice, but you're also choosing to do this. And I'm telling you, it's not if the rain comes, it's, it's coming. And when you do, you're going to want some covering. Here's my point. The more committed and submitted you are to God, the more authority you're going to have when it comes to spiritual warfare. The more committed and the more submitted you are to God, the more authority you're gonna have when it comes to spiritual warfare. You say, I don't know, prove it. All right, here we go. I'll let, this is a hilarious passage to me. Acts 19, verse 13 says this Some Jews went around driving out evil spirits. So they're engaged in spiritual warfare, and they knew the right weapons. They invoked the name of Jesus over those who were demon possessed. So they knew the weapons, the right weapons. They would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. The seven sons of Sceva, Jewish priests were doing this. And one day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus, I know, Paul's on our hit list, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them, overpowered them. And he gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. I just find that funny. (laughs) Because they knew the right weapons. Right? But they they didn't want to come under the covering. You're only as strong spiritually as committed and submitted you are to Jesus. James 4, 7. Notice the the sequence. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. We would like this in reverse. Whenever the devil flees and all's gravy, then I'll really submit. The invitation is to turn that on the head. You submit to God. Submit's first. Get under his covering. Do what he says. Just be obedient to him. Make him the chief aim of your life. And then the only thing you have to do is resist the devil, and he's going to be running away from you. Commit yourself to God. Second thing, do every day. So every day, commit yourself to God. First thing in the morning, God, here's my life. All that I am, God, I commit it to you. What do you want me to do today? God, I'm all yours. I'm under your covering. Second thing we're going to do is close any open doors. Close any open Doors. What, what I mean by that is when you're a Christian, you're headed to heaven, but you can leave some doors open, and the enemy's going to beat you up at every turn. 2 Corinthians 2, what's taking place in context is this guy's really blown it spiritually. And so part of his punishment is Paul says, Hey, you got to kick him out of the church. Like he's under the covering of the local church, his punishment's to move him outside of the local church outside the covering, so we can be taught a lesson. And there's a whole nother teaching it's probably worthwhile on that. But now Paul's Paul saying, hey, he's, he's turned, like you got to accept him back. Like welcome him back. Second Corinthians 2.10 says, and if you forgive him, I also forgive him. And what I have forgiven, if there is anything to forgive, I've forgiven the sight of God for your sake in order that Satan might not outwit us. For we are not unaware of his schemes and are you aware of his schemes and one way you leave the door open is you just hold on to unforgiveness you hold on to resentment you hold on to bitterness you say well after what they've done I'm never letting them go I'm just telling you that's a choice you can make but you're falling into one of his schemes he wants you to live free from anger resentment bitterness unforgiveness Ephesians 4, 26 says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil an open door. Anger, unforgiveness can leave a door open. Oftentimes we think of spiritual warfare as like you sitting in the middle of a room, your head spinning around seven times. That's what the movie says. God's word says, hey, it's it's your anger issues that's giving the devil a foothold. Hey, it's your unforgiveness that's given the enemy a stronghold in your life. And we, we gloss, gloss over those very serious in the kingdom of God. And so for me, one, one rhythm that I've adopted, every day I start with the Lord's Prayer and just use that as springboards to different prayer points. One of those prayer points is forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And every night, at 8.30, I, get, I have a, a meeting in my calendar every night at 8.30 and I do four things. I replay, replay the day. Think about what went well, what went wrong. Uh, then I, I rejoice, celebrate the goodness of God throughout the day. I repent areas I've blown it. God, would you forgive me? Would you, I need to turn from that. And then I, I resolve. Am I angry with anyone? Am I holding bitter a grudge towards anyone? I want to I forgive quickly and I I couldn't say this a little over a month ago, but I, I, I stand before, I don't have any enemies right now. I don't, hold, I don't hold a grudge against anyone. I'm not bitter towards anyone. And can I just tell you there's freedom in that? So we're gonna close any open doors. And it's not just anger and unforgiveness. Ephesians 5.11 says, do nothing, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. And some things... We tolerate, and I'm just telling you, you need to close that door. So some things you're doing, and it's just giving the enemy a foothold. I don't need to be the Holy Spirit in your life. Ask the Holy Spirit, is there any area where I'm creating an open door for the enemy? Whatever he says, you slam that door shut. Then third and final, confront the enemy in prayer. Confront the enemy in prayer. One tool we've given you, those of you here in the room, uh, with these cards are on your seat every day this week I challenge you it, read the verse say the prayer confront the enemy in prayer every every day christianity is always active christianity is never passive we got to take an active stand when it comes to this to frame it up let me close with this if i told you i got a buddy who works at homeland security and there's this guy who's been on, been loose, escaped from prison, He's done all kinds of horrific things to a whole lot of people. But, but I got insider information that he's coming to your house tonight. 3 a.m. is his plan. And every, if you're sleeping, when you wake up in the morning, everything you love is gonna be gone. Everything you love. If that was a real scenario, what would you be willing to do tonight to make sure that didn't happen. Well, for me, I guarantee you wouldn't be sleeping. I'd be pounding coffee or whatever. I'd stay alert. I'd be waiting. I'd sit right at that front door waiting for him to come with my buddy Smith and Wesson right here beside me. And I'd be ready, weapons ready, right? You're coming to take what I love. You're coming to hurt my family. Well, I got an obligation. I think you would be too, right? You protect what you love. 1 Peter 5, 8 says this, be self-controlled, be alert, like be on your guard. Why? Because your enemy, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion. Like he's coming to your house. He's gonna walk your street. And here's what he wants to do. He's looking for something to devour. If you've ever watched National Geographic, like this isn't teddy bear imagery here. Like he's wanting to tear something up. Resist him. Standing firm in the faith. Weapons ready. Be alert. Be on your guard. Remember, you're not fighting for victory, you're fighting from victory. No weapon formed against you will prosper. But you gotta be aware of the battle that's waging and raging. All around us. So when the day of evil comes, and it is coming, you're gonna be ready. Let me pray for you. Father, I just